This weekend is a three-day weekend, right? Praise the Lord for three-day weekends. But uh, we are celebrating Memorial Day tomorrow, and uh, so I think it is appropriate that we acknowledge the veterans who are with us. Uh, I'll have you stand in a minute, but let me just say, you know, as a country, we have certain uh, freedoms and things that we enjoy as a, as a people that have come at a price. And so these, these holidays where we remember those that have served our country in this way, they, they're important for us to remember to, to, uh, as we keep in mind just that the freedoms that we have, that we enjoy come at a cross. So could we have our veterans stand that we could acknowledge you this morning? Thank you. I want you to imagine this scene with me for a moment. It was a rainy and dreary day, kind of like it is outside today. And a young woman who was, was in a busy stage of life was going through a full day. She was working hard. She had a full-time job. She was helping take care of her parents. And then on all, and top of all of that, she was planning a wedding. And if any of you have ever planned a wedding, you know that this is a busy stage in life. And so she was hoping just to get through this rainy, dreary day because, especially on days like this, they kind of are crummy during the day, but they make for the best sleeping weather. And uh, so she looked forward to uh, curling up in her bed that night and getting a a well-deserved night's rest. And so as she made her way finally that night uh, to her bed, lay down and almost immediately would fall asleep, the darkness in the room was rudely broken by an intense light. The intensity didn't come so much from the brightness of the light as from the purity of the light and the glory of the Lord shone before her in the form of an angel. And this young teenage girl named Mary was taken back in bed as she came face to face with the archangel Gabriel. And the angel spoke these words, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary in this instant didn't feel so favored. In fact, what she was filled with was was fear. And it wasn't so much fear because she was afraid for her safety. It was a fear be- that uh, makes you uh, just full of fright when you are in the g- midst of something extremely great. And in light of God's holiness, she felt completely inadequate and unworthy. Now keep in mind, I, th- I think of Mary as this sweetheart, this meek personality, a young and innocent woman, a woman whose parents, I'm sure, came up constantly and said, wow, you raised such a caring, godly young lady. But Mary, in the midst of God's presence, in the midst of holiness with this angel, feels undone, kind of like Isaiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, when in the presence of God, he said, woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of 
unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And I imagine that Mary felt the same way. I'm ruined. This is too much for me. And yet the, and yet the angel says the opposite. That you are favored of the Lord. And then this favor comes in terms of a call. A call from God upon her life. This is how she is favored. You have been chosen to conceive a son who will be called great and will be the Savior of the world. Let's read this word for word. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you, will, you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. That's our story for this, this morning. To consider the call that Mary has upon, your, on, upon her life. Now, if you're looking at your calendar and you're wondering, oh boy, I showed up, I'm way off. No, this is not December. Uh, this is the type of story we typically think of right around Christmas. We don't usually read a story about Mary giving birth to our Lord uh, Jesus in May, but the story is so appropriate for what we want to talk about this morning. I really uh, want us to focus in on this idea that all of us have a call upon our lives. Now Mary's call is special and unique and none of us will receive the same type of call but the uniqueness is not the fact that she was called because all of us who are believers are called. In fact, here is a fundamental Christian uh, truth uh, that I want to drive home right now. If you are a Christian, God has specific good works in mind for you to do. I think that's at a fundamental truth of the faith. That when we are saved, God calls us into good works. He has good works in mind for us. That's what's behind Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So he's talking about God's salvation here, right? This is a classic verse on how we are saved through faith, by the grace of God. And now this next verse drives home the point that I want us to uh, grasp in our own lives this morning. Verse 10 says, for, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in, adv in advance for us to do. So in other words, all of those of us who are saved are also called that God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. Now, now some of those good works are universal, all of us, to love God, to love others, the commandments, the teachings of Jesus. These are good works that God has prepared for us to do. But I also believe, and I know that God has prepared specific things for us, Things that are unique to our own lives. I like the way that Ephesians 2.10 reads in the uh, New Living Translation. 
for we are God's masterpiece. Now, isn't that a beautiful verse? For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good works He has planned for us to do for us long ago. I've got a couple types of pictures in my office. And uh, I've got these pictures here. Oh, that's not the one I want first. I want the other one first. I'm sorry. I've got these pictures here. These are a couple uh, uh, drawings that... Uh, they're charcoal drawings that I saw in an in a, uh, art studio or an art gallery a couple years ago, and I loved them. They're huge in real life. These are prints. I could never afford the real thing. Uh, they're huge, and, you wa- and I walked in, and I thought, oh, wow, those are fantastic black and white photos. And then you get close, and you realize these are charcoal drawings. And I loved him, and I took down the artist's name. She's from Central America. I had a chance. I contacted her. I said, can you make me prints? I love these pictures. And so she printed. I consider these masterpieces. These are wonderful things. But then I also have this type of picture in my office. Now, that's a masterpiece as well, but a different kind of masterpiece. That's from my son, Dawson. And uh, the reason I, I love that one is because my son drew it for me, right? And, uh, and when we think of this idea that we are God's masterpiece, I think both ideas are included. First of all, he looks upon our lives and he says, oh man, I love that. I love you. And that's because we are his son or his daughter. And we might look at our, our lives and we think, I'm more like an elementary school drawing. A lot, of, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff, imperfections, and we think, I'm only God's masterpiece because He has saved me. But then at the, on the flip side, I want to say, no, that's true, but there's more to it than that. We are God's masterpieces because we, God has made us beautiful in His image. And he is the great artist who has designed us and created us exactly the way he wants us to be. He has prepared not just average works for us to do. He has created good works for us to do, prepared in advance for us to, uh, to, to do these things. And so when I think about this uh, idea of us being masterpieces of God, it is because he loves us so much and we are his children. But God has in mind for each and every one of us important, eternal type changing works. Things that are significant for His kingdom. And I just hope that as we talk about these things this morning, that that wonderful truth would sink into our hearts that we could say, I am God's masterpiece i'm important to him not just because i'm his son or his daughter and and that's huge but god loves me and he has created me in special and unique ways here's the point i want to i want to make this morning god's call in your life is unique and special God has things in our minds, for our lives that are so valuable for carrying out the work that He has for us. Some of you are going through this book, Ministry Matters. This is the book that uh, 
that we created to accompany the sermon series that we are in. And some of you that are going through this may uh, do some of these lessons and, and these homework assignments, and you're like, man, Pastor Corey, come up with some new material because uh, s- some of this I have done with other groups already. And uh, I don't apologize for that because I love this stuff. And I think this is so good. In fact, I think back on some of the discussions that I've had with members of our church as, as, we, as we've gone through these things. And I remember sitting and doing a lesson with one of the members of our church in some of these uh, things and and the sense that she had in her life that her calling was to minister to parents of poor immigrants in her community. And through her work, she had a unique opportunity to do exactly that. And I remember going through some of this and, and coming alongside of, uh, uh, of someone having a sense of his call to come alongside of teenage kids who are going through real difficulties in, in, in their lives. And because of his own personal background, because of the, the opportunities that he had, there was a, a, a special and a unique calling that he had as well, specially equipped to do that kind of thing. And I remember another member just having a sense of a call to minister to those who are addicted to drugs and alcohol. And so many of us, if we examine our hearts and our lives and we seek God, we have these unique calls upon our lives, things that are special and valuable and unique and important. In fact, and I'll single this person out by name, I remember going through these exercises with Pastor Darren. And uh, it was right in the middle of the time where he quit his job at Union Bank, vice president of Union Bank, quit his job, and now he serves as the uh, pastor here at the church. So be careful, but most people, God's not going to call you to quit your job. But my point is, uh, God has special and unique calls for each and every one of us. And I'm thankful for the faithfulness of those that follow that, follow that call. And Mary's call is special and unique. And so now I want to just consider, how does Mary respond to that call? I'm sure there are a number of ways that she could have responded. And as we think about this, just how might we respond to the call that God gives us? I can imagine some of us, when God calls us, we say, nope, not me. And it could be for various reasons. We think, I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not special enough. And I wonder if the same thoughts entered into Mary's mind as well. From Scripture, we don't see anything that makes her stand out other than faithfulness and obedience to God. And sometimes I think we resist God's call in our lives because we think, you know what? No, I'm, I just I, I don't have anything to offer. And we put it off to the side because we think that uh, we're not worthy, just as Mary may have felt inadequate and unworthy. But the truth of the Scripture is He calls us masterpieces. And He will equip and empower us for whatever He calls us to. Or maybe we might respond with 
to God's call with excuses of busyness. I can't do this. I'm too busy in my life. I've got a job. I've got a family. I've got a wedding to plan, Mary says. And we put it off because we say that uh, we're too busy. Now, I recognize that sometimes we may sense, I can't do something because we are in a busy stage of life. And life has gotten too full. And what I would challenge us in that moment is one of two things. Either one, God's call may be found in the busyness. Maybe the reason, maybe the thing that is making us so busy is exactly what God has called us to. The little child that we're caring for at home, helping others out that are stressed out at work just like we are because we're overworked, modeling trust before the Lord in the face of great, adversary, great adversity. That may be the calling itself. And then there is also the challenge to examine our lives and to say, Maybe I'm too busy and that is hindering me from doing what God is calling me to. And so here is the challenge of the response of busyness. Maybe the calling is in the busyness. Maybe the calling is to eliminate some things in our lives so that we can focus in on, what, on who we really think God has created us to be. And a third excuse and then we will move on to the positive response. But a third excuse might be to uh, say, I'm not ready yet. And I could imagine Mary saying, I'm not old enough. And I can imagine others saying, I'm too old. Or I'm not spiritually mature enough. Or whatever it is, we're not ready yet. Now keep in mind, Mary, when she was call called from by the Lord, was scholars believe between 12 and 14 old a young girl i don't care how well she was raised there's probably a little immaturity there and yet the truth of the scriptures is that god can use anyone no matter where we are at in fact if we in fact sometimes what god is calling us to may simply be the ministry of prayer and if we minimize that calling, then we've got a really a, a screwed up way of looking at the Christian life because there may be no higher calling than the calling to pray for others. But, min, but Mary doesn't respond to, with any sort of excuse to say I'm not special enough, to say I'm too busy, to say I'm not ready. Rather, this is her humble response before the Lord. Verse 38. In fact, let's read this together because this is the... This is the the high point of the passage. Luke 1.38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't lead you into that very well. I want this to read this together, okay? So here we go. Uh, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. I've got that verse on my wall in my office at home. I love that verse. That's just my, my, the cry of my own heart. God, may I be your servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Whatever it is that you called me, call me to, may your word to me be fulfilled. That's the best answer Mary could give. That is the best answer any of us could give to God's calling, before, uh, God's calling to us. And, and if that is our response, it leads to so much joy and fulfillment. 
In fact, here is the next point in today's sermon. Responding in obedience to God's call leads to joy and fulfillment. If you follow God's call in your life, it will inevitably and always lead to a sense of joy and a sense of fulfillment. And this is what we see as Mary, as we continue on in the story. Mary is almost overcome with emotion. In fact, she's like some of you. When she gets overcome with emotion, she must have an artistic bent because she turns to poetry and she begins to describe what is in her heart. And the first thing that she describes in her poem is she describes her heart's gladness. Listen to Mary's heart of gladness here in verses 46 through 49. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humblest state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And you can just sense the gladness oozing out of every word that God, that she feels, that she rejoices, that she has a sense of being blessed by God. Sometimes we get those kind of emotions, right? Where we just almost can't keep them in. You get that overwhelming sense of joy and and gladness in our lives. I remember uh, when we first found out that Chelsea was expecting our our first child and then our second child. There was parallel emotions. At first, the sense of fear. Oh man, what have we gotten ourselves into? Especially with our first one, Dawson. I, I did not sleep a wink the first night we found out we were pregnant. I was like scared out of my mind. But then eventually the thought sinks in and you're like, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be great. And we get so much joy. I remember just being in rooms all by myself and just making sure no one else is and then just giving like this fist bump in the air kind of like you remember you know how when tiger wood wins a championship yes or the that's what it's like and i have a feeling this is what mary's like boom yeah and there's just that so much joy and i and i'm sure that the christian life is not always full of that kind of gladness but there are moments There are times when we live in obedience to God, we're just back up and say, my soul rejoices so much. Thank you, God, that you have blessed me in ways that I could have never anticipated for myself. And that is one of the joys of the Christian life, that he calls us into a new life and we can live into the purposes that he has created us for. That's what this calling is all about. He saves us not just to get us out of hell. He saves us to live into a a plan that He has for our lives that is so valuable and so significant that we can't help but be filled with joy. And so the first thing that Mary describes in her poem is just her heart's gladness. And then she goes on, and the second thing she describes is the world's needs. In verse, starting, picking up now again in verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. 
He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. Mary's pondering all the things that God brings through the salvation of of the child that, that she will give birth to. All the ways that God's salvation brings healing to the world. Four things that I notice here. One is Mary ponders God's mercy. She says His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. And one of the needs of the world today, without a doubt, is God's mercy. Amen? There are so many people all around us who do not know God's mercy, who have not experienced God's salvation And we've said it before, the census information or the statistical information that's been taken for the city of West Covina, 46% indicate that they have no religious affiliation at all. Almost half of the people that live right around this church have no relationship with any sort of religion. We're We're not even talking about those who may be Muslim or Jewish or Anything else, they have no religious affiliation. And one of the needs of the world that Mary talks about here that ought to burden our hearts as well is the need for God's mercy to be extended to those who are seeking Him. And I am sure that some of us in our own call from God, it is a call to give that message of mercy. And as a church, we want to have ministries of evangelism so that we can be involved in God's work of extending that that mercy to those who are seeking Him. In fact, in a few weeks, we're going to have a ministry fair. And uh, the various ministries of the church are going to have a little booth right on the patio outside. And, we, and there will be ministries that are geared specifically for evangelism. Ministries of, like the welcoming team, ministries of food and fellowship, and, uh, and various ministries that are geared towards uh, extending mercy to those who are seeking Him. The second thing we see here in Mary's poem is mighty deeds. Mary, Mary talks about how God has performed mighty deeds with his arm. And we still are in need of God performing his mighty deeds for those who are weak, who pray to him and need his strength. And I believe that that is one of the things that he provides through those that are following his call. God uh, does mighty works. As a church... We have been, seems that we are in a season where it's been one thing after another for the last couple of weeks. A lot of people have had falls. A lot of people have been sick. A lot of people, uh, we've had a few people that have struggling with work-related issues or family-related issues. And uh, someone called me up on the phone this week, and this woman is a registered nurse, and giving me a report on someone that is in the church that was in the hospital. And, uh, and the word she used was, it's a miracle. The doctors had asked the family, do you want us to try to re- 
uh, try to resuscitate her if she if she passes, if she loses consciousness or something along these lines. And there was no hope. And now she is gaining strength and conscious. And there's really no explanation other than God answers prayer. And this is part of what God brings through the salvation of His Son. Mighty deeds. And so as a church, we want to have a strong prayer ministry. We want to have a ministry of of shepherding and care that we come alongside of those who are weak because we need God's righteous right hand to lift them up. The third thing in the poem is more information. Okay, now I admit, I'm trying for for four M's. So more information might not be the best one. But that's my third one, more information. Mary says that with Jesus' coming, those who are proud in their inmost thoughts, that's the quote, proud in their inmost thoughts are, are scattered and, brought and made humble. And so I think this is part of what God brings, God calls us to and as individuals and as a church to share with others the information of life with Christ. To teach and to sh- disciple and to and to help people grow in their faith. And I think of myself as a teacher. This is part of God's call in my life. And I love to explain the truth of God's Word in such a way that people can grasp that and and live into it, live into what we know to be the best life possible, a life that is lived with and for Jesus. And so to share that information. And then fourthly, lastly, Mary describes the worldly needs of material needs. She says that through Jesus he has fulfilled the he has filled the hungry with good things, verse 53. And that's part of the needs that we see in our world around us, right? Again, I was on the website, so I just glanced down again the statistical information. The city of West Covina over 10% live at or below the poverty line. And we regularly have people that inside our church or even coming to our church who are poor and hungry. And this is part of what Jesus has called us to, maybe individually, but as a church for sure. And so we have ministries of mercy and justice and community connections. And as we look at these areas, we get a sense that our hearts are burdened for the things that burden God's hearts. And us as a church are seeking to engage in bringing God's salvation in the way that He has called us to. And so now as we think about our own lives, I want us to think about these two parts in Mary's poem. Her deep gladness and the world's deep hurts, the, word, the world's deep hungers. And I've used those words specifically because this relates to one of my favorite quotes from Frederick Euchner. The place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. As each of us wrestle with God's calling in our own lives, a good place to start is asking ourselves, what 
where do we find deep gladness and what do we see as the world's deep hungers? If we look at our own lives, and I ask you, even just in the few minutes we have left today, what do you take real joy in? What gets you excited in the morning? As you wake up in the morning, what, gives, what just excites you? If you think back on experiences you have, what has brought you so much joy and gladness? And I bet there are a few things that come to your mind that might relate to the calling God has on you, has for you. And what do you see as the world's deep hungers? We've talked about uh, several examples of these, but all of us will have a bent towards one thing or another. There is no right or wrong answer. What, what burdens your heart and gets you fired up to say, I want to see that injustice or that need melt, met? And what, are, what do you see as the world's deep hungers? Now, when those two things intersect, the world's deep hungers and your deep gladness, chances are you found your calling. And when those two things intersect, it is the joy of the Christian life and it is the advancement of God's kingdom. That is God's calling upon us. See, before we close this morning, I just want to emphasize one more thing. And I've thought about this as we've been going through this Ministry Matters uh, series, people could be thinking, man, they got a lot of needs at that church. They're really hammering at home. Everybody needs to serve. The point of Ministry Matters is not about filling needs in the church. It is about helping each person find his or her unique and satisfying call from God. And that's what my hope is. That's my hope for my own life. That's the hope for every one of our lives, that we would have that unique and fulfilling, that sense of satisfaction in being able to serve with God in the work that He's carrying out in this world. Not because we just want to fill needs. My, my hope is that all of us would live into the calling that God has for us. Now, Mary's life, I admit, was not always smooth sailing. In fact, out of obedience to the call that God gave her, she probably had her greatest suffering and, and uh, sorrow. I can't even imagine the emotions she felt as she watched her beloved son crucified on the cross. And the Christian life is not all about Tiger Woods fist bumps. There are times of deep sorrow and deep pain. And maybe some of us in this room right now are going through that kind of season of life. But I want to emphasize that God is always faithful. And His plan for your life is always best. And life does come with its challenges, some of which are very painful and have a lot of sorrow. But God does love you. And if we are faithful to Him, He leads us into joy and fulfillment. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for this time that we've been able to have together this morning. 
And uh, I get fired up when I think about this kind of stuff because I know just that uh, I've grown so much in my own life as I've sought to follow the call that you may have for me. And that call changes over time. But God, I pray that uh, each one of us would have a sense of purpose in our lives, have a sense of joy as we are able to live life in cooperation with you. And God, as we do, I pray that you would fill our hearts with gladness and that you would advance your kingdom as the world's deep hungers are met. And God, through it all, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.